Okay, Mana Seminars, uh, Module 5.3 of Welcoming and Walking with the Holy Spirit, and tonight we're dealing with the Holy Spirit as oil and fire. So the theme of this first session is uh, that we want to be in a position to increasingly have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Saying that we should have confidence in Him. Shame on us if we don't. But when we don't know somebody very well, we, we're hesitant to, to receive fully. And we sort of can be holding back, so well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But when we know somebody, it's easy to walk with them, it's easy to trust them. And uh, so that's what we're uh, talking about. And so tonight we're talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, the symbol of oil uh, and of anointing. And we're talking about fire. So those two things. Now, next week, we're going to deal with four different symbols. We're going to deal with, uh, we're going to deal with the dove as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We're going to deal with wine, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We're going to deal with uh, a seal, a seal that seals documents, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And one other... Dave, come on, tell me what it is. Guarantee. Well, that's the seal, yeah, yeah, the guarantee. Anyway, I'll think of it later, because I've just been... I'll know it next week. Yeah, well, I'll know it by next week. <laughs> we, we can only hope. You'll write it down in the meantime. The wind, no, done the wind. But anyway, let's not worry about that. It's just a senior moment that I've forgotten. No, we had the duff. Yeah, that's next week. Okay, so... We're coming to the Holy Spirit as oil. Whenever oil was used ritually in the Old Testament, it spoke of usefulness, fruitfulness, beauty, life, and transformation. Oil was commonly used for light, food, lubrication, healing, and soothing of the skin. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit illumines, strengthens, liberates, heals, and soothes the soul. So uh, it's, a, it's a fitting symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like oil. So we need to think about that. So when was oil used in the Bible and how was it used? In the Bible, oil is used to anoint people for a special task. Priests, kings and prophets were all anointed with oil. This anointing set them apart or consecrated them for that task. Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord was upon him, Luke 4.18, because he has anointed me. To preach the gospel to the poor and to open prison doors and to, you know, minister to the oppressed. So, so Jesus said, said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. What symbol was you? How did he know the, the, the Holy Spirit was upon him? Yeah, they, he saw the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And next week, what, why is the dove a picture of the Holy Spirit? You know, there's so many things and we'll open that up next week. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so Jesus is saying, I'm anointed. I have been anointed uh, to fulfill my ministry. And uh, th that's how it was. David was anointed. Psalm 92, 10, it says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Praise God for fresh oil. Amen. You know, we need that uh, fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday's anointing will not help us uh, in today. We, you know, and, and we need to be uh, walking in the freshness of that anointing. 
okay? And, and that's important to us. Um, Psalm 23 and verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You what? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And he's saying, and there's two pictures there, there's the, the cup, the, the head with oil. He said, I want a fresh anointing to fulfill the task that God has given me to do as king of this nation. Lord, anoint my head with oil. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Let there be a fresh anointing upon my life, a fresh uh, a sense of God's presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing means about the presence of the Holy Spirit. It says, let my cup overflow. That's enough. That's what we're going to do with that next week. The wine of the Holy Spirit. Let my cup overflow. May the joy of the Lord, wine speaks of joy. May the joy of the Lord overflow my life. Hallelujah. And I, the Holy Spirit does that. He, he brings the joy of the Lord to us. Um, uh, and then there's ex Exodus uh, 36. I, I just go to there. Exodus 36. Exodus 36. And verse 1's not in your notes, but I just thought of that um, this, this afternoon while I was just going over the notes. And uh, Moses was given the instruction to build the tabernacle. And uh, these two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, were sent because they were skilled people. And they, they had skill to, to do all manner of, of, of clever work, which was needed to build the temple. And it says here, So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability. And the authorised version says, To whom the Lord has added skill and ability. See? Uh, to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary, uh, to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And so these men, Bezalel and Aholiab, they were naturally anointed. Uh, we carry a natural anointing to do what God's called us to do. It's, it's, it's our gifting. It's our passion. It's who we are. And, and But on top of that, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Bezalel and Aholiab were very clever people. They were skilled. They were gifted. But God said, I've added another dose of skill on top of them. And, and that's what we need uh, to be. Uh, I, I have a, a gifting as a teacher, yes? I just can't help it. You know, it's just that's who I am. But that can be as dry as a biscuit. You know, you were saying, what's a teacher? You were telling me the other last session. A teacher is what? Someone who talks when no one's listening. Keeps Someone who keeps talking when no one is listening. I think that's very rude. I think that's called a mother. <laughs> but it's true. The gift of the teacher can be as dry as they can. It's just giving knowledge. But what I need to be a blessing is the anointing of God upon that gift with fresh oil. So I'm not just churning out stuff that I churned out before, but I, it comes... I hope, <laughs> because I've been praying and asking God to anoint me with fresh oil, uh, that, that it comes with a freshness, that it's fresh bread. It's not stale old bread that's come before. And so all these things, that's been my prayer um, as we've been doing this series and, and, and just further back. Because, you know, like I said, when it comes and we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, when it comes to those things, I am in this place of recovering what I lost. Mm. Through, the, you know, through wrong decisions back there, I carried a strong... So a lot of my stories, uh, this is what God did. But now, hallelujah, there's fresh stories coming up. Amen. Because God's renewing and restoring 
and I'm chasing and pursuing those things so that I can be part of God's answer, yes? And, and so God's good to us like that, yeah? And uh, so this, these two, they were gifted, but they needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They needed the presence of the Holy Spirit to, to bless that, uh, that gift and enhance that gift. I remember when my youngest son, he works for Google, and he, he was facing a, a, um, a big, uh, they were, had been, some of you know the story, but they, they had been busted in in their Gmail uh, by the Chinese government, and nobody in Google could crack it. But he, he was, used, he, the, the, the boss of, of Google rung us up at home. He was holidaying at our place in Kaitai. But when he flew from there, he got so far with it, and then they flew him back to San Francisco three times during his holiday, and he finally cracked the thing. And, but I said to him, Darren, when you, I tell you, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that God will add his ability to your ability to crack this problem. That was my prayer for. That was the word God gave me to him. That he would have supernatural ability upon his, on top of his very able and very clever ability, Holy Spirit could do a whole lot more. Yeah. And God guided him and led him. And he said, that's exactly what happened. You know, he, he, had, he had keys to it. So we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, praise God, to fulfill uh, the purpose that God has for us. And that's not just in church. That's you at work. Yeah. That's you at school. That's you in your everyday. That's you at home. That, that they are natural giftings are blessed and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so that we can uh, go uh, do much better than just our own ability. The anointing is a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We say that preaching was anointed. What we are saying is that preaching was charged with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Or that song was anointed. Or that person is anointed. <coughs> We are saying that person is carrying a strong sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know the difference. You know the difference. You, 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 in church, you know the difference when something, someone gets up and, and, and sings. There is a song which is just their natural ability. And then someone else comes up and they, they're carrying a presence. And they sing that song into you. <laughs> you know, it touches your life, yeah? And that's the Holy Spirit. So... Um, the prophet, priest, and king were anointed for their task. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. To him who loves us, let's all read it together. 1, 2. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and forever. Amen. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests. So you and I carry these, these ministries and we need the presence of the Holy Spirit to fulfill those two offices that every Christian carries. Um, to function in the ministry of a priest and a king, it is imperative that we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. A priest is one who ministers unto the Lord in prayer, praise and worship. Every Christian should pray for their spouses, their family, their church, etc., and so Aaron the priest, you can read those scriptures, Aaron the priest was anointed with oil to carry out his office. And you and I need the presence of the Holy Spirit. To, we need to be able to pray under the anointing of God for our husbands, for our wives, for our children, for our church, for whatever we're doing. Hallelujah. This is an important ministry. Don't think that your family is just going to function fully without you standing up and praying for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
and speaking the blessing of God over them. And praying is not just asking God to bless them. Praying is declaring the, the, the purpose of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we need the presence. We need the anointing of God. And as kings, God has created us to reign in life. You've heard me say over and over again, the two purposes that God created man, Genesis 1, 26 and 28, was to be made in God's image and to reign in authority. Hallelujah. Uh, in life. And so uh, we, we need to be able to do that and, and rule at home and in life over any and every circumstances. And I've put some scriptures there where kings, the king uh, Saul, King Samuel, uh, not King Samuel, um, uh, David was, was anointed uh, there and different kings were anointed. Romans 5.17. Shall we go there? Because it's a great scripture. If you want to learn a scripture off by heart, this is a goodie. Romans 5.17. Who's, who's got that? No answer was the stern reply. Okay, thanks. Yes, please. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? God's purpose. Okay, we've asked ourselves two questions. Hands up those who've received God's abundant provision of grace. Praise God. And the gift of his righteousness. Yes. We are the ones who are to reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is an anointing to do that. When you're faced with divorce, you've got to make decisions and you've got to take, take a stand and, and that in the home and, and in and work and in life. Praise God. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there to help us with those things. A prophet is one who brings God's word to the family, people and church. The priest brings man to God. The prophet brings God to man. So the priest uh, brings, uh, into, brings man to God, yes, intercedes, and the prophet brings the message from God back to man again. And so the pro prophetic thing needs the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and that uh, scripture there talks about that. Okay, let's go to 1 Samuel 9. Here we find that uh, Saul receives... You know, I remember... I was, uh, years back, I was praying about this and just thinking about the anointing of God and, and, and really crying out to God, saying, God, you know, I need to be anointed for this. I, I need to carry. Lord, help me. I do not want to be out ministering just in my own strength or my own ability. Boy, that is a lonely place. Uh, and uh, so, so I've been praying. And then I came across uh, this scripture. Um, Saul's father, they had lost the, their donkeys, and so he was out looking for the donkeys, and uh, he, he finally, someone tells him that Samuel is, is around, he probably will know uh, where the donkeys are, and uh, so he turns up with Samuel, and so they talked, and the donkeys were found, and, and so they're there, but the purpose was that, that God said to Samuel, this is the man to be king, this is the, this is the man who's turned up at your door, this is the man, and uh, so... Uh, uh, we'll pick it up at uh, verse 25 of chapter 9. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. And they rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, and I'll send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. 
And as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And his servant did so. But you stay here a while so that I may give you a message from God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And I, and I, and I just meditated upon that. And if, if you and I are going to find the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to wait a while. We're going to have to come aside a while. Let the others go on. Samuel said, let the others go on their way, but you stand still for a while because to hear the message of the Lord and to receive. And when he stopped, then he received that anointing. If he had just gone, no, I haven't got time. I'm going on. I've got to, I've got to keep going. I've got to get back. And there's times in the busyness of our life where we're going to know the abiding presence. There's, t- there's times in our life we need to stop a while and be still. And just sit in the presence of the Lord or walk the beach in the presence of the Lord and let him catch up with you. Because <laughs> we're always on the run. We're always on the We've all got other things to do. But if you're going to see the, the moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to see be a, a blessing, then it's going to come from the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, with his voice within you, guiding you and leading you and inspiring you. But if you're always in a hurry, and you don't stop. One of the joys of being retired is that I have more time than I've ever had. Hallelujah. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <coughs> Stand still a while and hear the message of the Lord. And that's the key to ministry. That's the key to being a blessing. If you don't hear from heaven, what are you going to say? You're just going to burble your own wisdom. And some situations will not unlock just with your wisdom or just with my wisdom. I need wisdom from on high. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. So, and then, then there's another scripture in, in, in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. And I'm reading from the King James there on the top of page 3 there. And it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Okay, so the yoke, is that someone? Oh, that's the phone for here. Is that, could you, just in case they're ringing us, do you think? That's about to stop, don't worry. Okay, it says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And, and, and that was an old scripture that used to be preached in, in, in the churches that, you know, the anointing will break the yoke, praise God. Well, when I got a new Bible, that really... Um, didn't do me much good because in the NIV version, I put it down a couple of paragraphs down, it says the yoke will be broken. Oh, I didn't understand it. Oh, there was different versions that started to come up. And I thought, no, it's not saying that. It's, how can the yoke, the anointing destroy the yoke? And uh, what, 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 what's the what thing about a yoke? What's a yoke? It, it joins you with something else. Joins you with something else. So who would be yoked? You and Jesus. Two oxen. Yeah. Two oxen together? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the lead oxen is, 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 is yoked with the younger one, and, the, and the, the, the old experienced one walks straight and the other one, but he can't move too far. He's got to follow along, yeah? yeah. So there was a yoke. And I, and I put down here, um, oxen are yoked to one another, so the leading ox controls the other one. 
During our lifetime, we get ourselves yoked to all sorts of habits and mindsets. We can get yoked up to all sorts of dirty old oxen. The anointing of God breaks those yokes. In the NIV version, it says, the yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. I thought, what's that going to do with it? What? That, that's a dumb translation. I like the old one. And then I began to think about it, you know. The yoke shall be broken because you have grown so fat. And I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, when you carry the anointing of God, you will grow and grow and grow and you will become fat in the Lord, so fat that every yoke around your neck will be broken. It won't be your doing. It'll be the presence of the Holy Spirit that breaks that yoke off you. Hallelujah. And so that's the, it does. The anointing destroys because it causes us to grow in strength. Our spirits grow strong and we break the, the, the yokes of the soul and things like that. And when that happens and we're free, hallelujah, then we choose to yoke ourselves with Jesus. Praise God. Because he said, my yoke is easy, easy and my burden is light. When you're married, when you're yoked in with an old, dirty old oxen, and he, he, it's rough. He just pulls you wherever you want to go. Yeah? And you, sometimes you don't, you don't have a choice in the end. If you yoke yourself up with wrong things, then in the end they begin to control you. But we come to the Lord and when we get yoked with Jesus, hallelujah, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And, he just, and then you can plough a straight furrow. You can go straight, hallelujah. You can walk straight. And it's the anointing of God. And so the anointing causes us to grow. Breaks off the old yokes, praise God. All the old ways of, the old, of, of, of our families, the, ways of the old yokes of our sin, the old yokes of, of, of dumb stuff, and, and we can begin to, to be yoked with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's, that, that's what, what that is about. It is a joy to be yoked up with Jesus. Three things about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. One, it is easily recognised. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 9, it gives us the record. And I'm, I've only put, I put these references in because we're not going to have time to go through them all. But you can read the stories because many of you won't know the stories behind this. So you can later on get the notes and just read the story behind this. But Jehu was a man, and, and, and the prophet comes to anoint him as king. And he's there with all his officers. He's the captain of the armies uh, of the king. And the prophet walks in and says, I need to talk with you for a minute. And so the, the, the um, planning uh, strategy meeting is, is disrupted. He goes in, into the uh, other part of the, of the room, and the, the prophet pulls out the, the horn of oil, the flask of oil, and pours it on him. Now, the anointing in the Old Testament was not a little dab of oil on your forehead so that your, your, your hairdo doesn't get wrecked. I think one Sunday I'm going to bring a whole flask of oil and pour it over everybody. Would that be fun? Well, it would be fun for me anyway. But, <laughs> but that, in the Old Testament, that's what it was like. And so when he walks back out... And, they are, and all the captains of the army and all these officers are standing there, they know that something has happened. Because he's got oil coming down his head, down his beard, to the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. He is anointed. They say, what happened? 
I'm to be the next king. He's been anointed as the next guy. It was easily recognized that something had happened. The same with young David. When the prophet Samuel turned up at the house, at Jesse's house, and finally, guess who well, um, Jesse has to say, well, yeah, I've got the boy, but, mate, he's looking after the sheep. Don't worry about him. And Samuel says, no, bring him in. The minute he walks in, the Holy Spirit says, this is the man. And when you looked at him, it was the last. He looked less like a king than anybody else in the family. But God says to Samuel, this is him. And so Samuel pulls out the oil and pours it over the young kid. The young kid's standing there. He's in his farming boots. He's got, he's got, he's got his gum boots on and, he, and his black singlet. And he, you know, he's just come in from looking after the sheep. And, 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 but now, the old prophet pours the oil on. Well, the other brother's standing there. This is obvious. This, this can be recognized. Something has happened. When you and I stand still a while, we come under the anointing presence of the Holy Spirit. It is easily recognized mm. that you're carrying something that is different. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Desire that. Mm. Pursue that. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. It sets a person apart. Mm. Um, 1 Samuel 24 and verse 6, Saul was anointed king. Um, he was about to lose the kingship because of his disobedience, but he didn't lose the anointing. Mm. And even though David had been anointed king, he knew that this other man also was anointed king and he honoured that anointing. Mm. Yes, he recognised that anointing. He said, I know one day David said, he could have killed him, he said, I'll not touch the Lord's anointing. Now David knew that the, that, he, he, that the Lord had rejected Saul from being king, but he still went another 20 years. But David was the next man, but he knew this, this he honoured that anointing. So, so that sets a person apart, and it can be lost. The anointing can be lost, as we can see in the lives of Saul and of Samson. I've put down here, unity is essential to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 133. What does it say? How good? There. Yes, it's like the dew upon Mount Hermon and like the. Yeah. Yes, there the Lord commands the blessing. Amen. It's like the anointing oil. It's the precious, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. What is? Unity. Unity. Now, now, you know, we can, we can talk about but the Holy Spirit's anointing. Uh, and we talk, we'll, we'll come touch on this when we talk about the dove. The dove is like the Holy Spirit. He's a gentle bird. And he's, he will not hang around where there's strife. And I've seen over the years, I've, I've seen whole churches, just the Holy Spirit just seems to withdraw. Mm. Because there's not unity at the top. And he can't anoint that. If there's problems at the, at the, at the top of the leadership of a church, then it's the, the Holy Spirit will not, he can't anoint that. He just holds back. He's like a dove that hovers, pulls back a little bit. Whoa. I'm not sure I want to land there right now. So it's important that we, that we uh, hold unity as a very important thing in our hearts. In families and things like that, that we 
strive for unity, that we forgive one another quickly and uh, allow that. And of course, there's anointing for healing. James chapter 5 and verse 14. If any man is sick, let him what? Call for the elders of the church and anoint him with And if there be any sin, it shall be forgiven. And if there's any sick among them, they shall be healed. Now the emphasis is on if you're sick, you are to call for the elders of the church. And there's some things I've noticed that don't move until that happens. Now it's not the like in healing, there's not one answer for every situation. There isn't. Sometimes you just speak the word and they heal. Sometimes you lay hands on the sick and they heal. You can do all that. Sometimes it, it waits till, and I've seen some very strong cases of where people tried everything and then they called on the elders of the church. And mm-hmm. wow, God honoured that. It was, a, it was a place of submission. It was a place, I don't know, of honouring. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, but healing happens in all sorts of different ways and this is one way. And so if especially if you've got something that's stubborn, that won't move, even if you've been prayed for, had hands laid on you, whatever, then this is another way. Call for the elders of the church. So ring us up and say, please, would you anoint us with oil on Sunday at the service? And it's our, it's our joy, it's our privilege to fulfil that way. So avail yourselves of that. Okay, any questions about that? Any comments about oil? <clears throat> I know many years ago it was a conference... And a guy called Barry Kissel was yes. preaching and talking about healing. And he said, Is any, you know, it, whilst we're talking about it, does anybody here get hands that burn? Yes. And I was one of the people that put my hands up and said yes. And I was actually anointed. My hands were anointed for healing. Yes. And that was really, that still makes you go, <laughs> But, you know, that was a real sign for me that yes. what I had was something God had given me. Yes. Um, Praise the Lord. Uh, I love that. Okay. Well, Holy Spirit, he's like oil. Sophie, you were going to share. Come and share for a minute. I've been thinking about when we come to the Lord, when we first come to the Lord, it's like, we do, we came, I came into the Lord when I was in my early 30s, I was about 34, when I gave my heart to the Lord, and life had done a lot of things, but all of a sudden when I became a Christian, it was like, wow, a whole new life has opened before me. You know, it was just radical. The Holy Spirit came, and I probably relate as water, really. You know how I used to run my washing machine and turn the taps on, and my washing machine would filter back into here, and it would just overflow at times. And when the water overflowed in my laundry tub, it got in everywhere. It was in the cupboard, underneath. You know how water just gets in every little... And that's the Holy Spirit. He was getting into my life. In every area, he was. I, I was just open to him. Lord, I, I, I love you. Do, I, I just want to serve you. I just want to be there. So I saw, I, here's me, and I started my Christian walk with God, and it was just like a huge scope of, wow, what can I do? And as I got to know him more and more, I, I found that God, 
I, I could hear a message like Ian is sharing now, you know, about anointing. What has God called you to do? I don't know what God's called me to do yet. I, you've got to discover. It's a pathway that we go down. We have to find out what it is. And so the first thing is we've got to start moving. What, what can I do? Let me just speak a word of encouragement to someone. I think I can encourage. And so you start. It just starts with talk. Or you think, I could... I could serve on the info table at church. I could go. One of my things was there was a need. They needed people to get there really early in the morning to set up the electrical stuff and all the music equipment in the church. Oh, well, I'm single. I I can be there. And I put my hand up. So away I went to serve. And I thought, and as I served, I got to know people. And I was heading off in a direction. But, you know, they found out very quickly that I didn't know one plug from another plug. I didn't know how to put anything together. I didn't know what a speaker was and how it connected. I was more of a hindrance than a help. And it didn't take them too long to say, hey, Sophia, why don't you do this? You know? And so the wind in my sails, it's the Holy Spirit's leading it came to us. I could have taken offence, but no, no, I sailed off in another direction. And I became part of the setup. They had a ministry thing, and I became the tea lady who made the cups of tea in between the sessions, like I'm doing now. So nothing's changed in 39 years. So I became, and you know, I was the tea lady, and I'd run these things, and I'd organise different things. And there were seven pastors in my church, and they were all asking me to, and I was invested, and I was just doing things. And I had the wind in my sails as an administrator. And it didn't take too long. When, well, very soon, it was the very first time, I had 200 cups out because 200 people were coming and I boiled enough water for 25 cups. We have 15 minutes. The kettle doesn't boil that many times. I hadn't calculated it properly. So again, I found that in all my service and enthusiasm, there were people who could do it better than me. You know, and they should be the ones who would do it. Judy would do it a whole lot better than me. And so I found that again, I was sent off in another direction. You know, well, the direction I was sent off to on my third thing was uh, I really want to get involved. I love the people in the church. I was part of a home group. I was part of everything. But this is discovering what's God called me to do. Who am I? Where can I find God's anointing? You know, when will I know that the Holy Spirit anointing is on me? You know, I've got to find the place. And so the next thing that came up was children's ministry. You know, off I sat with the wind in my sails. The Holy Spirit was with me. You know, he was leading me on. And, you know, I spent all day Saturday getting ready for my very first lesson. And in my very first lesson, I had the four-year-olds. And as I went to church that morning with a whole day's preparation, drawings and pictures and stories and everything else, and I went to church. And do you know what? I said to God on the way, you know, Lord, how many children I can cope with. You send them in, Lord. I am ready. Two kids turned up. <laughs> two. I had two. They were the best taught kids around. I got I had it. But you know, the next week I thought, oh well that was I'm not gonna spend all day. I'll just have an hour. Yep, I'll do that and that and that. Yep, that'll be fine. And in I walk this time, I prayed the same prayer, Lord, you know how many I can deal with. I'm ready. So you bring them in, Lord. The next Second week, I was on four-year-old children's ministry. Eighteen of them turned up, and I wish I'd spent all day Saturday getting ready for it, you know. But it was it was like that. But what I found is that I enjoyed teaching. 
I enjoyed teaching. Yeah. I was trained as a teacher earlier on, but that was just part of my natural life. And it was a big thing. Yes, it was in my ability, my skill, that I already, I had been trained in that area. But here I am, and I'm going through, and I'm enjoying teaching the children. And then, you know, again, I'm sort of heading down this track, and I get to a funnel like this. And all the time, God is directing me. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's leading and guiding, and I come across, and I started to do... Um, new Christians, the people, every time somebody gave their heart to the Lord, I, my heart would beat and I would cry. You know, I mean, there's 800 people and here, my heart's beating and I'm crying and I'm being moved because I'm seeing people saved. You know, and it didn't take too long, somebody saw this and I don't know, but I was guided yet again by the Holy Spirit to get to the people and then I found that in this area, Somebody said to me, will you look after the new Christians in our church? And all of a sudden, I'm starting to get down to here. And I'm sort of thinking there, but am I ready to? I've got the passion, I've got the fire, am I ready? No. See, I had to come down into an area of training. Just like I knew that, that where there was an anointing there, something was happening. I could feel the presence of God in a real way. And yet, when I came into this point, I, I still had to go through a period of time where I had to learn and sit and be trained and, and, and the Holy Spirit. And, and just slowly I started to. And then, I'll tell you what, the world opened before me and it went all out. And then out she goes again and the ministry grows and grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's a journey. It's a journey that's different for all of us. Where do you start? You've got to start somewhere. You put your hand up and say, yep, give me a go. I'll go and do this. Oh, can you find someone else? I really don't like. I'm going this way. Holy Spirit, lead me. You know, lead me. Some people come up here, and I, I have never truly had anyone come to God's kingdom and know what their purpose in God was, just like that. Have you ever seen that? I don't, I don't know. You might see gifting. We could, somebody else could see it and say, you know, I can remember God's going to use your voice. You've got all this area. Maybe I could see it, but hey, do you know what God's called you to do and where the anointing is? It's the journey that you've, of discovery. And the Holy Spirit, he's the wind in your sails. He's the water that soothes you and washes through and cleanses and tidies you up. And then comes the anointing oil that comes on you. Other people recognize. Somebody else, you don't anoint yourself. Somebody else anoints you. You know, the Holy Spirit anoints you. And then I can remember being anointed. But David, he was anointed. He's 12 years old. I mean, he didn't become king till much later. So he went through a big, long funnel, you know. But once he came out, he's anointed king. He was able to accomplish a whole lot of things. And that's what our lives are like with God. So, you know, the Holy Spirit's for you. He is for you. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, the Holy Spirit is fire for a few minutes. Acts 2 and verse 1. What happened in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit came upon them. What was one of the signs? There was two signs. There was the sound. It wasn't actually wind. It was the sound of wind. So the place didn't get blown apart by a tornado. It was just the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And second, tongues of fire came when the Holy Spirit first was sent. So Jesus said, he'd be saying, when I get back to heaven, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. It was the promise of the Father. So in Acts chapter 2, they're gathered in one place and the Holy Spirit comes and the church begins. It's born under the presence of the Holy Spirit. And one of the signs was that there were tongues of fire upon each of them in that room. 
In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, we find that John the Baptist says, um, there's one coming, I baptize you with water, but there's someone coming after me who will baptize in you in the Holy Spirit and with and with fire. So again, Matthew 2 and verse 11, that is, I haven't put that in your notes. But, but yes, so again, the Holy Spirit and fire are connected. Fire refines, warms, illumines, and is attractive. In these ways, fire is a very meaningful symbol of the Holy Spirit. Yes? Fire is used to purify metals. The fire removes all the less valuable material from the ore and leaves the molten metal behind. I'm going to go over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So most of you know where Matthew is. If you come back a bit, you'll find him. Matthew, Malachi, where is it? And I'm what? Chapter 3. And it just says this. It just says this. I'm sure it says this. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years." One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is to refine us. If something is refined, what happens? The, the ore comes in, the iron ore comes in, and then the fire is, is, is it's put under the fire, and all the rubbish gets burnt off, and the molten ore comes out. Same with gold or silver. It come, comes in in rocks and, and form, and it has to be melted and refined. And so... The Holy Spirit does this in our lives. When the Spirit of the Lord comes in power, then refining happens. Things that we have thought to be okay under his scrutiny will need to be put away. The more we allow him to do this, the more his power will flow through us to others. The refiner of silver would have to watch the refining process very carefully. There is a critical moment when the fire must be removed and the silver is freed from its ore. Too little time in the fire or too long in the fire and the silver becomes less valuable. So in the olden days they would sit there and they'd be having the fire on the ore and getting the silver and he'd be watching until that critical moment that that silver ore became molten at the right temperature and it begin to bubble to the surface. And then they'd, they'd, they'd take the, the, the silver off the top and leave all the junk behind, yes? And he would have to watch because with silver, there is just a, a very critical moment that that has to be watched and taken at that time. And if it's left too long, it spoils. If it's not left long enough in the fire, it spoils. And it's not of the purity that is wanted. Um, so it is with us. The Holy Spirit watches us so carefully. He knows when we are in a fiery trial and only leaves us there long enough to ensure that the testing has worked that degree of change in our lives that makes us more like Jesus and more useful in his kingdom. Psalm 66 and 10 says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. And so we have confidence in the Holy Spirit. 
that he sits like a refiner's fire. He watches us. He's not going to put you through more than you can handle. He loves you. Hallelujah. And if we, we all go through fiery times. We all, and, and, but the purpose, isn't it, is, is to refine, to make us more like Jesus, to get rid of the rubbish that we carry in our lives. Oftentimes, that is what is happening in our lives. Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, here's, here's Isaiah, and, he, and, he, and he's caught up, and he sees the Lord. And he has a vision of God himself. And, and he's there in the presence of God. And uh, so it says here... <clears throat> In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Go, hallelujah. So here is the time where, where, where he's in the presence of the Lord and he becomes under the presence of the Lord. And it says in, in Revelation, talks about the throne of God and there's seven fires before the throne, which are the, is a picture of the seven of the spirits of God. Yeah. And, and, and so he's there and he's, he suddenly realizes that, wow, he's got, he, he's got an unclean mouth. He's got a dirty mouth. But this is the prophet. This is where his gift is going to operate. And so, the, so God sends a seraph and the seraph takes, goes to the altar and gets a burning coal and the, touches the lips of, 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 of Isaiah and, and he purifies that gift. Hallelujah. He cleanses that part of his life which God wants to use. Hallelujah. And he, he thinks, oh God, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Because it's, and he takes it and purifies it. Hallelujah, touches that area of his life. And, 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 and he's made clean. Hallelujah. The refining fire of God. And then that no sooner has happened than he hears God, who will go for us? I'm ready. I'm ready now. And the Holy Spirit is, is just wanting to work in all of our hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's Exodus 3 and verse 1. Moses is there. He spent 80 years. He's given up on the call of God. He knew he was a deliverer. He said 40 years back, he said, you know I'm the deliverer. And then he has to run for his life and spends 40 years. And he's flagged it all away. He thinks, well, God, you know. And then he sees what does he see? He sees a burning bush. He sees a burning bush. And, and it's unusual because this bush, I mean, bushes would ignite naturally in the heat of the, uh, of the desert. But this one, he watches, it just it disappears again. It just keeps burning. He says, I've got to go and see this. And he gets close to the fire of God, to the presence of God. 
And he hears God speak to Moses. He says, take off the shoes. You've walked your own way for 80 years. Get rid of those old shoes. I'm going to change your walk and your direction. And God, and he stands by the fire. And God, I don't know what God did, but God did something for him. He heals him. He sets him right. He, he, he gives him hope again. Hallelujah. And, he, and, and then he hears the voice of God. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You've stood by the fire. I'm sending you to Pharaoh now. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit does that for us. New Testament says that he, he's the one who convinces us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. He's the one that, he, he's the only one that is gentle and, and we can trust to straighten up our lives. You, you, you know, we, other people try to straighten us up. We fight it like crazy. <laughs> we take offence. We don't like being told we're not. But boy, when he comes. That's why we need the presence of the God, Lord in the meetings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord. There's nothing in the worship time. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Never forget the time. I was crying at the Lord. Lord, I did do something great in our church. It was over. And the, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you bring them into my presence. And I'll speak to them. If you speak to them, it'll last for about two or three weeks at the best. And then they'll just revert back. He says, if I speak to them, you bring them into my presence and I will speak with them. Hallelujah. We get by the fire of the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, there they were in the fiery furnace. Hallelujah. What, the, what was the only thing that the fire did? What was the only thing that the fire did to them? Burnt their bondages. Burnt the ropes that held them. Hallelujah. They went through the fire, but they come out the other side smelling like roses. Not even the smell of fire. And you can go through fire and you either become bitter or you become better. And it's your choice. When you go through the rough stuff, you either become bitter or you become better. Hallelujah. And that fire of the Lord does that for us. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver, Psalm 66 and verse 10. Okay. Uh, fire illumined. You have to read this yourself a little bit more. I'll just go for five more minutes and we'll get through a lot of it. Fire illumines the candlesticks in the holy place in the temple, lit up the showbread on the table. The Holy Spirit fire lights up the word of God for us. He brings revelation and understanding when we read the Bible. The pillar of fire lit up the Israelites' camp when they were in the wilderness, showing them the way forward. So it is the Holy Spirit lights up our pathway and guides us into the will of God. He gives us insight and understanding of situations, sometimes through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Fire warms, Luke 24 and verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus has died and he appears to these two who are discouraged and they're walking along the road and Jesus talks to them about what the Bible says about him. And, and he said, they, what did they say? Our hearts didn't, boy, when he was talking to us, didn't our hearts burn within us? Well, he opened the scriptures and talked with us. Man, I read that in a different way just recently, and I've been praying, Lord, every time I speak, I pray that some burning, that their hearts will just burn, hallelujah, with an enthusiasm for God. Yes. That we will inspire people. Their heart. Wow, yes, Lord. So that's, hallelujah. That's what I've been praying. 
And uh, so we got a belief for that. Oh, I so thrilled it. I found out on Sunday, the last Sunday that I spoke, this young fella gave his heart to the Lord and he was just transformed. He's just been changed. Boy, just like you, mate. I thought, here's another one. This guy was sitting there and he puts his hand and the Spirit of God touched him. He said, I don't know what's happened, but he said, it's all happening to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, Lord, that's what I prayed, that when I speak, the hearts will burn within them. You'll get hold of people. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. Fire is attractive. People like to watch a fire. Don't they? You set your house on fire and see if you get a crowd. John Wesley said, when people get on fire for God, others will come and watch them burn. In oh, yes, in the revival in Timor, Indonesia, it appeared that the church had caught on fire as the roof was Timor is in Indonesia. Great revival broke out there. The church was burning. Uh, the roof, uh, a fire was on the roof of the church, was, but the church was not being burned. When the fire brigade arrived, they found the tongues of fire all over the church, and the people outside were prostrate all over the ground under the power of the Holy Spirit. Hundreds flocked to see the church burning, and many were converted. Hallelujah. And the revival broke out. That was a, an amazing thing. The funny thing was, as a young fellow of 27, when I started preaching in, the, in a little church in Blenheim, we had a little hut a little uh, hut, it was seven paces long because I used to pray, I could pray in it with my eyes closed because I knew it was seven paces and <laughs> hallelujah, I could go work the whole distance and, and, but the first Sunday night first I preached there, guess what the church caught on fire wow <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it hadn't been used, the church had been closed for, for so long and the gas thing went up into the roof but it, the chimney never came out so when they lit the gas fire, all the smoke went up into the roof because it was dust all in the roof. Next when I'm preaching and I see smoke coming down there, I say, oh, hallelujah. God is moving. Yes. Anyway, the fire brigade turns up. And, every, and boy, we had the biggest crowd we would have for years. <laughs> All the neighbours come out to see the old church smoking away. Fortunately, really didn't get on fire. They put it out before they... But I've always laughed. I thought, that was a sign. <laughs> God was going to do something great. Well, that was my sort of faith and stupidity. <laughs> but if it works for you, it works for you. Don't let the fire go out. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. See, we can, have, we can carry it, and the fire goes out. I've, I've walked through that. Let the fire go out. Hallelujah. But hallelujah, I'm in the process of fanning it into flame again. People can be gifted by God, but over time, let that gift lie dormant within them. Your gifts need to be ignited by the Holy Spirit, refined, and then released. Fire requires three things. Uh, fuel, the word of God, air, the breath of the Holy Spirit, and the removal of the ashes. Otherwise they build up and choke the fire. We cannot live in the ashes of past fires, but must press on to know the Lord. Rake out those ashes and fan into flame fresh ignitings of the Holy Spirit. And uh, can I encourage you to read Isaiah 33, verse 14 to 17, sometime this week. And it's promises for those who get through the fire. Promises for those who get through the fire. And uh, there they are there. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so wonderful, that you walk with us and you care about us and, you, Lord, you want to anoint us with oil 
the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. You want to anoint us, Lord, and, and ignite the giftings. Lord, you, you invite us to come close to the fire of God so that, Lord, you can adjust us and burn out the rubbish, hallelujah, so that we can walk in a more pure and a more sanctified way with you. So that, Lord, when that anointing flows through us, it'll be unhindered. Hallelujah. People will receive uh, you in fullness, we pray. So, Lord, thank you. Precious Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Walk with us. Walk with us, we pray. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're in us. We pray that we'll just keep on surrendering. We'll stand still and receive anointings. We'll, Lord, be long enough there when things happen and the fire of, of, of adversity comes and difficult things happen. Lord, we'll trust you. We'll just trust you, Lord, that you won't leave us in the fire longer than, you, than we need to be, but you'll, you'll pull us out at the right time. Hallelujah. Precious Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Amen. Amen.